This is the Not Bitter, Just Better podcast. The Everton Our Way. Straight from the street end. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. Episode 56. Mr Johnny Seven, here as always with Mark Mach. Yeah, it should be a good show today as well. Nice, exciting week to be an Evertonian. Yeah, a very exciting week to be a Blue, as have many over the past year or so. Yeah, and the Martinez era just keeps popping up uh, these wonderful surprises, uh, which we'll talk about uh, in our new section of the show. Uh, but as we always do, we'll start off with a look back at the game at the weekend, um, which was a frustrating one, wasn't it? It was a frustrating one, a Saturday evening game uh, on the Sky Game of the Week. Well, they did have Liverpool Man City on as well, so one of the games of the week, shall we say. Uh, and it all started so brightly for Everton. Yeah, uh, so there was the team news, that the debate that we had last week was whether Coleman would be fit uh, and whether Lukaku would be fit and whether we would go with this same 4-3-3 formation that, um, that we turned Arsenal over with last year. And the answer to all those questions was um, yes. A resounding yes. Uh, from what I've been told, uh, Lukaku was actually on crutches four days before the game. Possibly he's got a broken toe at the moment. Um, so he was very touch and go for the game, but was given some sort of painkiller injection to be able to play. Obviously, needs must. Uh, and, and he managed to get a good 70 minutes out of him. Yeah, so he had this toe issue. He went off with this toe issue in the end in the game as well. So it's obviously something that's like still hanging over him. Um, and uh, you know, considering that, he had a good run out, didn't he? He did, yeah. Uh, obviously, as you say, he basically took off from where he left off uh, last season, playing against Arsenal out wide again, having a little run at Montreal uh, and causing Arsenal a, a lot of problems with uh, super Stevie Naismith. Uh, covering from Roman his usual position in the centre of the park. Yeah, so as you said before, started off so well for us. Um, uh, well, I mean, I thought Coleman had a bit of a shaky start. You know, a couple of, you know, he just kind of knocked the ball out of play and then he almost set Oxley Chamberlain up uh, with a clearance straight down the middle. Um, but he uh, made amends shortly after and opened the scoring for Evan, put his 1 0 up. Great ball from Gareth Barry into the back post. Seamus gave Lukaku a shout and buried a header past Chesney. I was quite surprised that Lukaku let it go, in all honesty, when you look back. You know, it, as your centre forward, you expect them to always try and put that in the back of the net, wouldn't you? But Lukaku did the right thing. Seamus, Chesney uh, did get a hand to it, didn't he? And then, but couldn't keep it out, so 1 0 up to Evan. Do you think Coleman shouted, Ron? Let it go, or I'll batter you. Probably not. No, I don't be. fancy Seamus in that fight. No, uh, so put us 1-0 up. Um, yeah, Arsenal were, you know, it, it was a funny lineup, wasn't it? Because obviously... They didn't have a, a recognised striker on the pitch, Yeah, there was, a lot was made of Sanchez coming in um, and, you know, playing at one of those advanced midfield positions. Uh, he played very advanced because he was the lone striker. He was, yeah, and obviously they brought Ozil back, they brought Mertesacker back, uh, some of, putting the German players back in, no sign of Podolski. 
Um, so he's on his way, apparently. It looks that way, yeah. Giroud is on the bench. Whether they were saving him for, uh, you know, the Champions League qualifier this week, I don't know. That didn't exactly go to plan for them. Um, so, yeah, it was an interesting lineup, as you say. Uh, you know, and one that I thought Everton might have a chance against. Yeah. So, one nil up. You know, again, Arsenal threatened a little bit. No real uh, saves for Howard to make, though. Um, and it was, you know, Everton had a lot of possession again. Uh, we didn't seem to be pushing on all that much, but suddenly uh, we got a breakaway. Just absolutely superb uh, work from Lukaku. You know, he, he muscled, was it Mertesacker? He fouled Mertesacker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he didn't muscle him, he fouled him. Uh, muscled. Yeah. Well, the ref never gave a foul, so he did muscle them. It's only a foul if the ref gives it. Yeah, I mean, defenders do this kind of thing an awful lot. So, But when an attacker does it, it normally does get blown up for a foul. Uh, so we were lucky in that sense. Do you think sense. he got away with it because it was in our half? Uh, possibly, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um, and I mean, Arsenal still, still had a few men back. Well, one man back, didn't he? <laughs> in, in, uh, and for Monreal made a sliding challenge. Lukaku at full pelt. No, it was Callum Chambers, Dan. Oh, was it? Yeah, so it was two centre backs that close together? Yeah, it was Chambers. Chambers slid in. Lukaku knocks the ball past him. Goes on a run. Uh, nearly leaves the ball behind. Yeah. Uh, before playing a slide rule pass into an offside Stephen Naismith. Yeah, great finish from Naismith, though. Um, just continues his good start of the season. Uh, and you're only offside with the linesman or the referee gives you. Yeah, apparently, yeah. Um, but Stephen Naismith, top striker in uh, the Fantasy League. At he the is, moment. He 18 points he's had at the moment. Who'd have thunk it? Yeah. And I put him in my team, used my transfer to put him in, and just as I did, Everton go out and buy a striker. And, you know, will Stephen Naismith start the next game? Who knows? Uh, so, 2-0 up. Uh, I, I don't know, I mean, we go in half-time, 2-0 up, and... Yeah, you know, we were controlling the game. We were, just I have to mention, you know, before we go any further, in the first half, James McCarthy was absolutely brilliant. Everywhere the lad, you know, chasing down balls, constantly getting his foot in. Uh, his work rate was unbelievable. Yeah, fair enough. Um, uh, we should also mention, obviously, that we lost uh, Stephen Pienaar early in the first half. Oh, yeah, it was like... For substitution, very, very early on, quite innocuous. It was a, it was a similar challenge to you know if you've not seen it, a similar challenge to the one that put Neymar out of, um, out of the World Cup and apparently broke his back. Um, so for a week, for a week, yeah. So we're hoping it's not the same kind of thing for Pinar because he had a, he's had a good start to the season, well one game in the season. So um, yeah. So we're hoping, but just just before we go into that though, the way we did start out. Um, Played playing that four three three formation, it was a bit of a strange setup, wasn't it? Because Pinar looked like he was playing quite centrally, and then the the, the wide men were a combination of uh, Lukaku and Morales linking up with Bainesy and Coleman. Yeah, well, I I also thought very early on, I, I noticed you know we Bainesy and, and Sheamus were playing very high up the pitch, and, and you were finding that James McCarthy was filling it right back, and Gareth Barry was dropping into to the left back area. So uh, you know, yeah, there was. It was quite a fluid formation and quite a lot of movement around the team. So, 
it's, well, it's strange though that you know uh, the Baines and Pienaar partnership works so well against Leicester that they kind of he kind of broke that up and put Pienaar in a little bit, so it was more like triangle kind of play. Horses for courses, I think it's called. I don't know what that means. It means that you you set your team up a certain way to play the opposition. Fair enough. Um, so two 0 up half time, we looked quite comfortable as we did uh, when we kicked off in the uh, oh well sorry when Arsenal kicked off in the second half. We still looked comfortable for a long period of the second half. Yeah, well, yeah, we did. You know, the first sort of fifteen twenty minutes at least of the second half followed the same pattern as the first half. And Johnny's throwing pens at me now. Am I boring you that much? Um, you know, Everton looked comfortable, continued the lead, didn't particularly look like conceding. Uh, McCarthy was still everywhere. Uh, yeah, everything was going well. But what was worrying was I did start to notice that we started to get a little bit deeper and then a little bit deeper and then we got deep and then we got very deep. And in good old Everton fashion, you sort of knew what was coming. They did get a few chances. Giroud came on for Sanchez at half-time and he found himself uh, you know, unmarked a couple of times. Oh, he should have scored that volley, shouldn't he? From well, yeah, that was probably... I say we were in control. Out. I say we were in control. You know, we had a chance 30 seconds after coming on. Uh, leaned a volley over from eight yards out, which he should have done better with. I think he had another uh, free header from a corner. He had one from just on the edge of the uh, 18-yard box. So, you know, he came on and he did more... Much more than Sanchez did. Let's face it. Yeah, uh, in, in, in you know immediately, um, and that's. I mean, you know, as much as these false number nines or you know playing a winger as a centre forwards in fashion at the moment, um, for me, you need somebody to lead the line, and and, and that's what Giroud does. Love him or hate him, I know some Arsenal fans don't particularly like him. Think he's wasteful, but that's what he does. He, he wins headers. He leads the line, doesn't he? If you look, look at like, you know, strikers who uh, probably you know who we grew up, you know, who we kind of grew up knowing over the years, you know, one of the highest goal scorers in the Prem, uh, Andy Cole. How many chances did he used to get? And he, you know, how many goals did he score? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, just because he doesn't bury one and two, it's still that focal point for the, the. You know, would other strikers be in those positions? Sanchez wasn't in the first half. Giroud was, and he got those chances. I know um, there was something on Twitter, wasn't there, about Gary Lineker criticising him, you know, for, for for being a striker in that Arsenal team. He should get a lot more goals, but he's in that position more than Sanchez or any other uh, Arsenal forward has been over the last couple of years. Uh, unfortunately, the start of Everton's decline uh, was uh, James McCarthy getting a knock. Uh, you know, he got hit in the challenge. Uh, and very much seemed to bother him for the rest of the game. That was with about 20 minutes to go. Uh, possibly we could have looked at bringing Bessic on for him there, but uh, substitution-wise, we decided to go with uh, McGee Anatu. I think, uh, again, talking about focal points and looking at that outlet, uh, I think, although I don't think McGee coming on, uh, I don't think he played particularly poorly. You know, He probably gave the ball away, but... I don't think he was awful. I just don't think he had the same kind. He was the same kind of uh, pacey, strong outlet as uh, Lukaku was, and I think that was our downfall rather than McCarthy. Uh, really, I, I think as soon as McCarthy got that knock, we just lost 
we lost that pressure on them. I mean, you see it particularly on the, the first goal. The first goal that, that Arsenal pulled back, um, you know, McCarthy just wasn't there to cover, as he had been all game, you, you know, and the amount of time, I think, was it Monreal who went over to that side to put the cross in? He was, he was in for the second goal, I'm not sure about the first one. Uh, well, whoever it was, you like, just had so much time on the ball to get the ball across to Ramsey and, you know, for for him to score their Arsenal's first. Um, I just think a combination of players getting tired, McCarthy getting that knock, just sort of disrupted our, our game and the way that we were we were shutting Arsenal out. Um, yeah, well, I I just think when the ball was going out. It, it just wasn't sticking. It wasn't sticking for long enough. Um, and before Lukaku went off, it was. Um, you know, Morales, one of the players who, who you know who came in. The amount of runs he made that where he wasn't found, but he, you know, the ones where he was found, he didn't do a whole lot with it. But sometimes there was times there, you just oh, just fire the ball over to him. Yeah, because he had is. the pace to get onto it. I mean, what was annoying me a little bit about Morales was his petulance, though, when he wasn't getting these balls. Because no. there was one point in the in the second half where Lukaku had broke on the, the right the right side uh, and drove into the box with the ball, and, and Morales was screaming at him to pass it. And you know, Lukaku tried to force a shot, basically as you would want your centre forward to do. Um, he was fully within his right, I thought, to to have a go that got blocked. And there's Morales waving his arms about shouting at him when. Knowing Kevin Morales the way I do, I think Morales probably would have done exactly the same. Yeah, I think so too. So, yeah, um, that's the side of Morales I don't like, in all honesty, uh, is the the little bit of petulance and the the little bit of arrogance. The fact that sometimes he always seems to try to do the tricky thing instead of the simple thing. Yeah, he loves that little back back heel inside, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, But, you know... We didn't end up using those outlets, and uh, we were we were very deep, but more we were just trying to contain rather than trying to push on, which I think was our downfall against. Um, so I mean, say I say contain, contain the pressure, but try and control the ball still, which is what we did against Leicester. Uh, instead of having that little bit of killer instinct and trying to push on, uh, and we were punished for it again because uh, a ball came across. Everyone did the. We should have known this was going to end up in a goal. In a goal because uh, Ramsey put a very, very high, long ball in, uh, which went far beyond the back post, and everyone went as if it had gone out, but it hadn't. And the Arsenal players were aware of that fact and chased it down. Monreal got it on the left wing, uh, had time to put a cross in, wasn't really closed down by Coleman and McCarthy, as you said before, and um, picks out. And not even jumping uh, Giroud in the box. There's a big debate over who's a fault for this goal, whether it be Distant or Jagielka. Um, well, I mean, I'm going to I throw think... into that debate the, also the referee, because I mean, I'm not saying there was a foul, but you know, this this is one. This is the debate that's going on. You think it was Giroud foul Distant? Well, that, that was one of the debates. Uh, I don't think it was a foul in a million years. No, no, that's I, I what think, I'm saying. It's, I it's, think Distan has been caught out because he thought Jagielka was going to header it. Jags has mistimed his jump, hasn't actually connected with the ball. Uh, and and Jadou's just got in in front of Distan. I, I think that's the top and bottom of it. Uh, what bothers me more is the fact that the ball was ever able to be crossed back in. Yeah, I mean, he was just picked out. It was... 
from our end, you know, was, we were in the Gladys, it was down the park end. Um, from where we, we were, I thought it was Jag's fault all the way. I thought he got he got under it uh, and just completely mistimed his jump. Uh, now I've seen it, I think it was a combination of the whole back four, really, from uh, not from Ramsey not being closed down, uh, where he put the, the initial cross in, uh, to us not being lively enough to chase down that cross and put it out to safety. To Coleman not close, clear, closing uh, Monreal down for the, that cross, and then for Jags and Distan not dealing with the forward, one forward between the two of them, and it's uh, we've been undone by a cross again. So three out of four goals this season come come from crosses. So, so that's it. So Arsenal obviously from two 0 down with eight minutes to go, uh, pulled the game back to two two, and, and that's how it's finished. The only other real instance of notice, I suppose, is. Uh, Giroud went down quite heavily towards the end, and, and apparently he's, he's broken his ankle now. Which again, which wasn't a, the fault of an Everton player from a challenge or anything. It was just uh, one of those funny plant your feet in the in the turf type injuries. So uh, the plan of saving Giroud for the European Cup probably backfired a little bit on on Arsene Wenger. But you know, for us, it felt like a loss. For them, it probably felt like a win. The way they battled back, it did. It was a funny one, really, because. In all honesty, I think if you'd have offered me a draw before the game, I'd have probably took it. If you'd offered me a draw in the 80th minute, I would have told you where to stick your draw. Um, so, you know, it's one of those. It does seem disappointing, but a draw against Arsenal, it's not a particularly bad this, result. This is a funny one, this now, because I put out this question. We could have included this in our social media, but it just gets, you know, it gets a little bit... Rowdy, where people start saying, "Would you settle for a draw against Arsenal or Chelsea?" And we're not saying go out and play for a draw. I'm oh, just no, saying, no, you never go out and play for a draw. No, you never do. But if at half seven on Saturday night, uh, you found you know Everton have drawn uh, two all with Arsenal or two all with Chelsea, it's not the end of the world. Well, yeah, if you hadn't seen that game and you saw that, just saw the results, you think, "Ah, it's all right." Yeah. You know, it's not gonna, it's not gonna help us a whole lot. But these are good sides, and I'm sure Man U would settle for it. I'm sure Liverpool would settle for it. I'm sure Arsenal and Chelsea going to each other would settle for it because every one of those sides can beat each other. So, and that's effectively six points on them, isn't it? If you win, if you win the game, that's them. You know, six points ahead of where they could be. So it keeps you one point each is like a stalemate. And you can go and play the next game. So that's what we mean by settle for the draw. Not saying Everton are happy to take draws or happy to go out and play for draws. There you go. Um, the other uh, in, um, point there was Atsumit came on has made his debut. That as you said before, um, didn't really get a sniff. Really, did he? No, not really. And he is an absolute dwarf. He is very, very, uh, you know, very similar in stature. Uh, to uh, some other shite. Raheem Sterling, you're going yeah. to say. Sterling. I think he's actually smaller than Raheem Sterling. Uh, he was warming up when he was like sort of warming up in front of us at half time. He looked like he had size four or size five boots. He, he, he is, ti- I mean, a tiny. I thought he was just dead far away, if I'm honest. No, no, he's still right next to us. <laughs> Uh, the old ones are the best. Uh, so, I mean, looking back at performances during the game, you know, uh, 
Morales played well. Uh, we've spoke about him already. I thought he played, yeah, okay. It's all right. Uh, Stephen A. Smith, very good game again. Another goal. Got on a score sheet once again. Um, but if I had to pick a man of the match uh, for 70 minutes, I think it was James McCarthy who was head and shoulders above everyone else. I'd put Naismith, man of the match. Got a goal. He was constantly busy, constantly uh, won headers. You know, he just showed... I mean, not that Lukaku had a poor game, but he showed Lukaku how to lead the line. So, uh, what what would you put the, uh, the dropped points down to? We can't defend crosses. Doesn't that, that that's that's the top and bottom of it? We I don't know what it is. I don't know why suddenly this has come into our game. At the moment, we just can't deal with balls into the box. I think there was a number of contributing factors here: poor defending from crosses. Bad substitutions for once from Roberto. Who else would you have brought on from the bench? It would be better to try and tighten it up. Yeah. A 2 now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If Coleman wasn't fit to, uh, to uh, Stones, maybe, I don't know, but he hasn't, didn't work it right back, so that's a, that's a difficult one. Um, uh, the, other, the other thing, uh, tiredness. And, you know, I think Arsenal, uh, Arsene Wenger has come out and said, like earlier on in the week, saying that his, his players weren't fully ready for you know fully match fit yet, but they had the community shield, so they've had an extra competitive, although it wasn't very competitive game more than us. They looked that little bit. Well, sharp. they've had a European game as well, so they've had two competitive games more so, than us. Yeah, so they so they were, they were sharper than us, and they were willing to go for the full ninety, and we stopped at, at about eighty. Yeah, so I th- I think you know it, it, it's quite interesting, isn't it? To, you know that. You have, you can see probably the fitness levels were better than the last game because we we played a little bit longer and a, a better side. We played against a better side. Exactly. So I mean, it's not you know, there's no alarm bells really. I mean, apart from you know, the defender side of things, fitness wise, we'll come good. You know, th- these things will sort themselves out, or Roberto will sort them out. Um, you know, even if we don't beat Chelsea, I don't think it's going to be the end of the world. It's just you know, it's a, it's a starting point for the season, and our fitness will come. I love that. Okay, so that's the Arsenal review uh, wrapped up. Uh, we're going to have a look ahead of the Chelsea game in a little bit, but first of all, uh, we've got some Everton news. We have, and just before we do that, I think one thing that that Arsenal game did show up was that we needed an option up front, uh, and we might just have a bit of news about that. <laughs> News. So there's only one place to start Everton News of the Week, and that is uh, Tim Howard has got himself a book deal. Has <laughs> he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. wasn't where I thought you were going to go with that then. <laughs> well, I like to keep you guessing. What, what, what type of book is he going to write? It's a, it's a biography about his life in football and outside of football, and it's going to be released in uh, the autumn stroke winter of this year. Right, okay. Should be on that New York Times bestseller list, I imagine, because he is a national hero in America, and he's also a hero towards Evertonians, so we'll probably I've in. actually got a preview of the book here. No, you haven't. I have. I have. Don't you three it. Go on, then. Chapter one. Fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible, Sorry, Tim. I didn't... I, I had... That wasn't scripted, like the rest <laughs> of our show. <laughs> right, anyway. The Tim Howard news is not the, the most important news of the week, Johnny. Do you mean the other Tim Howard news that he's taking a break from international football? Probably to concentrate on writing his book. 
That now makes sense, doesn't it? I wondered why he'd start. He'd, uh, he'd retired from international football the other day for a year, which was very odd. And that does now make sense. Yeah. I hadn't put two and two together. Then. So he's probably doing the boiled buck tour, isn't he? <laughs> In between Everton matches. Yeah. So is that that's not the main news? That's not the main news either. What about the... Um, Wait, you're just going to whiz through all our news stories? What about, the other, about the other Tim Howard news that he uh, he, he made his, his re-debut, I think you could possibly call it, for NBC on the Monday Night Football? Uh, yeah, is that not the news? He's busy Tim Howard, isn't he? <laughs> he's just get around, doesn't he? he could, I, I suppose he could write his book while he's flying to and from New York to... Liverpool all the time, I suppose. Yeah, uh, so he also featured heavily um, at Goodison in the crowd on Saturday. There was thousands of Tim Howard masks handed out <laughs> along with uh, your season fixtures guide this season. The fixture list, you mean? The fixture list, that's exactly <laughs> what I meant. Right, yeah, anyway, we're taking the piss. You know what the main news of this week is. Uh, what is it, one? Everton have signed... A La Liga legend, and it is not Raquel May. No, it's. We were talking a little bit this, about this before. Uh, possibly the biggest player Everton have ever signed in history. Yeah, possibly the biggest name player. You know, Samuel Eto now plays for Everton. Now, if you'd have said that five years ago, Everton have signed Samuel Eto. Could you imagine how big a story that would have been? Obviously, it would have been a lot bigger story then. But it's still a big story. You know, we, you know, it's not like we're signing him as our main man. But we're, we've still signed him. We've got Lukaku for £28 million. Is this a bigger signing than Lukaku? In in this in the club's, you know, status-wise? It's, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because you, your biggest signing is always going to be your most expensive signing, in a way. But, as we said, you've only got to look at what Eto's done in his career, what he's won, who he's played for. And he is, you know, the the biggest player that's ever played at ever. I mean, I can only think of Gascoigne, uh, who was a similar stature in world football. And, and let's face it, Gascoigne never filled the potential that Eto did and did it on a consistent basis. I think Gaza the was... the biggest clubs in, in, in Europe, did he? Gaza rivaled him uh, in world name value wise, you know, because he like celebrity wise. Well, no, I think he did. I think Gaza was a massive celebrity in this country. It was just because he was English. When I mentioned this to you before, have a look at the list of clubs Paul Gascoigne played for, and Everton was probably the biggest club he ever played for. Yeah, I mean, Spurs and Lazio, well, you know. I think, you know, fans of Spurs might argue that we're, they're the same size club as us. Well, you're not Spurs. Forget that one. So, you know, yeah, I think he, we're, we were the biggest club Paul Gascoigne ever played for. It's fairly safe to say we're not the biggest club that Samuel Eto'o has ever played for. No. Uh, I mean, there's going to be a, a few naysayers out there who are going to say he's 33. Uh, and well, is he? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but, you know, Gareth Barry's 33. He'd come in and... Uh, well, sorry, we signed him at the age of 33, or is he 33 now? Anyway, you know, I, I, we were... I'm liking all the copites who were saying, you're laughing at us, saying, saying you're signing a 33-year-old and you would be an ad-off. 
and you know it's getting taken to the cleaners. Uh, we signed a world-class legend, 33-year-old, on a free transfer. They signed a 32-year-old in Ricky Lambert, who's played for Southampton and Bristol Rovers. Yeah, and won a Johnson's paint trophy. I mean, that's you know, the worry was that he was going to be coming in and it was going to be asking for ridiculous money off Everton. But apparently he signed on a two-year deal at 55000 a week. Yeah. You know, that is not big money when you think about the stature that's of that player. That's less than what Johnny Heitinger used to get a week. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, you know, and that, you know, that speaks vol- it speaks volumes um, of where Everton are, you know, because he had other offers to go elsewhere paying more money and um, he's, he chose Everton. Um, should we have a little look at Samuel Eto'o and his career prior to Everton? Go on. Uh, as you mentioned, he's 33. He was born on the 10th of March, 1981. Um, he was born in Douala, Cameroon. Now, some naysayers might say that you can't really trust African passports and, and birth certificates. And the fact that Samuel broke into the, the Madrid B team at like the age of 16 might suggest that maybe he was a little bit older than 16 at the time. Any, what, what's your thoughts on that? Or he was really good. Well, yeah, or he was really good. Well, either. Anyway, as we say, he started his career at Real Madrid, uh, played for the, the youth team, uh, only ever made uh, three appearances for, for Madrid uh, before being sent out on loan. Uh, he went out uh, a couple of loan periods uh, before his first real loan was to uh, Mallorca. Uh, where he scored nineteen uh, six goals in nineteen appearances, uh, he then got a permanent transfer uh, and scored forty eight goals in a hundred and twenty appearances. Now you know this is at a, a club that weren't exactly setting the uh, La Liga alight, uh, but he obviously did enough with his score ratio of nearly one and two uh, to to get his, a big move to Barcelona, uh, who signed him. I think it was for about uh, twenty two million euros at the time. Uh, and they signed him, and he scored 108 goals in 145 appearances. Well, yeah. 108 goals in 145 appearances. So that's what, like one in, one in, I don't know, one and a half games? Yeah, it's like two in three, isn't it? Yeah, so if we can get one in three out of him, we'd be happy, wouldn't we? Yeah, uh, you know, he's at Barcelona for five years, uh, won everything you can win. Uh, basically, you know, and then finally left Barcelona in 2009, went to Inter uh, under Jose Mourinho, uh, scored 33 and 67, so again one and two. Uh, then came, you know, a big money move to Angie Machachachachachachalaka, whatever they're called, uh, you know, out in Russia. Again, scored 25 again in 53, again one and two. Uh, stayed there for till the start of last season where Jose Mourinho brought him to brought him to Chelsea. I, I tend to think if Jose Mourinho takes you to places, then there must be something about you because he, he's not exactly a mug, is he? Um, and this is where people start to say he's too old, he's past his best, he gets criticised. He only played 21 times for Chelsea and scored nine goals. That's very much one and two. Yeah, uh, just because he, you know, it's like it's like I said about Torres a couple of weeks ago, you get criticism. You know, Torres scored 20 goals, you know, a couple of seasons ago. Didn't do that well last season. But even when he scored 20-odd goals the season before, 
because he didn't score 30, he didn't. He had a bad season. If Etu gets 15 goals for us, that's a great season. If he gets 10 goals for us, it's better than you know the majority of our second strikers have got for years. So, you know, I mean, you talk about age as well. You know, how old's Drogba? Well, he's 34. He's older than that, isn't he? And and Chelsea I mean, have just took him back. As an impact substitute. You know, I think that is going to be Eto's role, more than likely, isn't it? Particularly in the league, I think he can come on. You know, last 20 minutes, he can change games. When we've got games that need a bit of experience, like your bigger games, your games in Europe, uh, he'll be able to provide that. And, and I think the influence he could have on Lukaku could be immense. Yeah, also, I mean, the option there, if we want to play this 4-3-3 formation, we could play Lukaku out wide, we could play Eto up top, we could play Eto out wide, Lukaku up top, we could play Naismith up top, and one of the two, uh, and rotate between them. I'm not saying, I don't think Naismith, will, I, I've got to be honest, I don't think he'll keep this form up all season, if I'm honest. No, I'll put him in my fantasy football team, he'll be terrible next week. Yeah, so... Uh, I think that's going to be uh, something that's, uh, you know, especially with the Europa League coming up, you need to have those options there. You, you know, you could there could be games where you have uh, two up top, you know, play a straight 4-4-2. Now we've got those, the, the option there. Uh, Kone might be good when he comes back, but what it does say to me is that Kone's still a few months off so this, this with the sign of Eto as well. So... Um, I don't know options there. It's always nice to have options, and one option being one of the world's best players over the last 10 15 years, whether he's getting on a bit or not. It's not like I don't think it's, it's like signing Gaza, it was seriously on the decline. Yeah, I mean, we have bought a truly world class player, that there, there is no doubt in that. Um, is he in his prime? No, he's not in his prime, but you know, the old saying is. Forms temporary, class is permanent, and let's face it—you know, some of the some of the best strikers in the Premier League haven't particularly been blessed with pace, have they? I mean, you look at the likes of, say, Teddy Sheringham, for instance. You know, again, not not an Eto's class by any long shot, but used to score goals for fun. Well, how old how old was he when uh, United signed him? I think he was, he was getting on. Um, if you also look at, um, I'm just thinking about remember all those years ago when we let Peter Beardsley go because he was too old. And you know Newcastle came in. You know Peter Beardsley was still a still a, an, an amazing player, but you know I think he was getting on a little bit. Uh, Newcastle came in with a bid of one and a half million, and we sold him. He probably wanted to go back there because he lived there. I mean, I'm going back. You know, our era of growing up watching football now, which a lot of our listeners probably will be and and, and older. Um, but how many years did he start for Newcastle after that? Yeah, of course. I mean, and and as the game goes on, you know, players play till they're older. I mean, Ryan Giggs was still doing it at 37, 38 in the Premier League. You know, there's a lot of players who are playing older now. A lot of people levelled this sort of, he's past his best, he's too old, jibe of Gareth Barry last season when we signed him and laughed and scoffed at the transfer and look how that turned out. Um I don't think 33 is too old by any stretch of the imagination. No, me too. Uh, just a little bit more about Etu. Uh, he will wear the number five shirt. So Bizarre for the centre-forward. So he will not be playing in defence, though. Uh, although we probably do need a new defender. I don't think Etu is going to fill that fill those shoes. So when you, you look back in, you know, 
future times at great number Everton, great Everton number fives will be Labone, Watson, Etu. Yeah, could yeah. well be. Yeah. Um, let's Tyson get off the list. Oh, I did. Yeah. Uh, he has said that he wants to play on Saturday, despite Roberto saying that he thinks he needs ten or eleven sessions, training sessions. But he said that he wants to play on Saturday against his uh, former club of last year. I think he has something to prove. It's, it's funny how these things tend to work out like this. I'm sure Sky will have a fee- field day over this one. Like, but you know, potentially we could go into this game with Lukaku and Eto up front against Chelsea. Um, and I think both of them would probably want to score, wouldn't he? And both be up for the game, both be uh, enjoying the fact that they're playing the previous club. Um, will we go two right up top against them, or as you say, will we see? I mean, let's face it, do we really know the extent of Romelu's toe injury? Was he playing as a necessity last week? Will we see Eto, for instance, come in for Lukaku if he's not fully fit? That's uh, a possibility. Yeah. Also, just going back to the number five thing. There's no significance in him choosing number five other than the fact that that was one of the numbers that was available. He could have chosen 22, uh, which I think he said was his future wife's birthday, so he could have chose that, but it was just number five just because that's why. Just no reason. Bizarre. Yeah, so anyway, Samuel Eto'o is an Everton player. He is. Madness. It, it, is, it is crazy, you know, and as we, we touched on before, are you actually saying this is the biggest transfer we've ever Everton have ever pulled off? I don't know. It's true. I mean, I think the Lukaku deal is for where we're going as a club, but player stature wise, I don't know. Is Eto Eto bigger than that? You know, you look at me. The players we signed. I'm trying to think of names that were recognised on a world stage. Gascoigne, I'll have. I said Ginola, who was clearly you know past his best by the time we got him. You disagreed with Ginola. You don't think that you know? No, I don't think he. I don't think he was a world stage player. He wasn't like a legendary, or you know, uh, I don't think he had that status. Even though he'd won like Player of the Year in, in, in yeah, his no, country, yeah, no, I don't think that Matt, no, no, right, okay. Gary Lineker obviously was a you know deemed to be a world class striker for a while, but we had him probably, probably just before that. Before you know, he was more recognised once he got to Barcelona and then through his England career, um, and. Unless you're going way back to, you know, Alan Ball or somebody, you know, man of the match in a World Cup final. I can't think of someone who who had probably a bigger name in world football. I can't think of one. No, I can't either. Whether he's on the decline or not. Billy Lettinoff. That's a bigger name. It is a big, it's definitely got more letters. Anyway, yeah, Etu. Yeah, I I think think there were a few tweets out, pictures yesterday about, you know, the, the, the... even when the whispers were, there, were, were at, he was at the training ground, there was a satellite van and helicopters hovering over it. So it was obviously world news. Um, but I know. think he's already starting to become a cult hero. Already, before he's even kicked a ball. One, because did you see the clobber he was wear, wearing walking around like town? Like his pimp gear. Yeah, he, he, he was dressed like Pharrell or somebody and he just looked cool as walking around the city centre. Two... There's a lot of people saying that he turned down Liverpool to play for Everton, which is always going to do you a massive favour. Yeah. Uh, and three, he's saying the right things already. He's already said, you know, we joined Everton because it's a family, and 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 that's what Evertonians like to hear, isn't it? I just wonder, just uh, just to finish off on him, um, I wonder whether he will go and get his haircut finished off. 
Why? All that one-sided thing. That, that's just the fashion. Oh, is it? Yeah, you're oh, just old. Getting, I'm getting you're too just old. Getting too old. That's old. the fashion now. You don't have a haircut. Only that's eight, what I do. I only get a haircut. Only 18 months older than him. I must be old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the worst part, isn't it? Loads of people are saying, he's 33, he's past it, he's a pensioner, he's shit. And I'm thinking, I'm 36, thanks for that. I'm, yeah, I'm 35 and I've yet to make my Everton debut, so, you know. It's still going to happen. Yeah. We could still, we could. That is, that is actually a bit of motivation, isn't it? We could still get signed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Etu, Etu and Lukaku up front. Me and you on the wings. Yeah. Um, Definitely better than Delafayum. What we, what the, with the Etu deal, it looks to have put to bed rumours of uh, signing um, a two United players who we we have been linked with. And that's uh, Danny Welbeck and Javier Hernandez. You think they're put to bed? I, I, I think st- the Welbeck one definitely is. I still think by next month, by this time next Monday, or by the end of the transfer deadline on Monday, we will have signed another striker. I still think there's another one to come in. Well, there's but been- if you watched Man United get whooped by MK Dons last night and you didn't know anything about Hernandez or Welbeck, you certainly wouldn't spend a penny on them, particularly Hernandez last night. He was terrible. I've seen a few whispers, murmurs, that um, Roberto was holding out till last minute on transfer deadline day uh, to try and get Hernandez on the on the cheap. Right, OK. Juventus want him then, don't they? Do they? Well, whether he wants to stay in the Prem... Or not? Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're, they're still after Vidal, aren't they? So there could be like some kind of swapsy deal going on there, a bit of money. Yeah, I mean, you look at them. Hernandez, he's obviously Mexican. You know, he probably would fit in in sort of a Spanish club or an Italian club. Uh, Welbeck is possibly the more likely. He's a Salford boy. He's always lived in the northwest. May not want to leave the area. May want to stay in the Premier League for his England career, for instance. Um, so, but I think there's rumours now Arsenal might be sniffing around him after Giroud's broke his ankle and is going to be out till Christmas. So, uh, be interesting. It's funny, isn't it? I think United have come out and said they don't want to sell to rivals. Does that mean that they'd rather not sell to us over Arsenal? Because we're probably a closer rival to United than Arsenal at the minute, aren't we? Probably, yeah, yeah. Um, he could be let out on loan as well. I don't see how that would do them any favours, but if they don't want him, then, you know, it's viewed to a, a deal and get him off the wage bill. We could possibly get him on loan if we give United something they want, maybe like a first option on Barkley or a nah. first option on James McCarthy, for instance. I'm not saying give them do a deal. That's, what what they, that's probably what they'll try and do. Give them first option. Yeah, so, you know, that's I, I, think, I think the Welbeck one's dead and buried uh, Hernandez could be could well be open till transfer deadline day I think there could just be somebody right out of left field someone we're just not expecting there were some of the other rumours though that have been going around this week we were linked heavily again with I say linked heavily it's just a load of uh, you know online people making it up on Facebook yeah we're saying that me and you making it up on Facebook no I definitely wouldn't make this one up Diame army again and you know why the hell would we sign another deep line midfielder we've got Gibson coming back in fit we've got Bessage and we've got the two best ones in the mid in in, uh, in the Premier League I can only think that the reason this keeps cropping up is because Martinez Adam at Wigan I mean but you know James McCarthy looks like he's moving Martinez Adam at Wigan and he's James not- McCarthy 
No, James McCarthy, the other one. Oh, right, okay. The, the, the not as good one. James McCarthy. James McCarthy, James McAvoy. We're not doing this again. We did this joke about six months ago. You know, he, Mick McCarthy. He, he, he's definitely not going anywhere. McCarthy's getting you know linked to, to the likes of Leicester Burnley. We're not getting linked with him. So I don't know why we keep getting linked with the army, but I can't see it. Unless, you know, they're willing to let Gibson go, for instance, or unless, you know... These McCarthy to Man United rumours do have some credence. I, you know, I just don't don't get it personally. I don't think we need them at the moment. Well, United seem to be far more interested in getting attacking players when they clearly can't defend. So, you know, what what's with that? You know, sixty million for De Maria. You know, all right, big signing will be no doubt be very good. But I think uh, they need a four <laughs> nil against MK Dons. And who was who played? Evans played, didn't he? Um, De Gea was in goal. Uh, did well. It was mainly a team of kids. They had, uh, yeah. they, had yeah, but... they had Anderson and Luke Powell central midfield. But then the front three was Kigawa, uh, Rooney, uh, not Rooney. Sorry, Kigawa, Hernandez, and Welbeck. So they, you would have thought they'd have enough on paper. Yeah, I mean, if you look at you know their, their defense, I'm so, sorry to go into uh, United territory, folks. It's just uh, you know, it's just funny. <laughs> um, they started off with Blackie, uh, Jones and Smalling again at the weekends where they only managed a one-all draw against Sunderland. Um, you know, if one of them is injured, Evans will come in. So he is out of four centre-backs, you know. No, I think Evans will start. Evans just coming back from injury. So we'll probably I think Evans will start instead of Blackie. Yeah, so he was still in there and he's been around the Premier League for a good few years now. He's not good enough though, is he? Jones and Smalling aren't good enough. Why I actually become... think Johnny... This is a crazy thing to say. I actually think Johnny Evans is the best centre-back they've got at the club. That And, and when you're saying that about Man United, then that isn't right, is it? For what, you know, what, of what we're used to in, in probably in our whole lifetime, virtually. No, they need to go out and spend 20, 25 million on a couple of centre-backs, I think. So. Should we give them Jagielka for 25 million? I think a lot of people, a lot of people would uh, get, give them... Jagiel for 25 pence at the moment with the way uh, where the internet's blown up about him but um, the other, one, one other player we've been linked with uh, just because his agent has been seen touching down in London is uh, Cherchi again is that how you say his name? Uh, yeah I think you know with the signing of Atsu coming in on loan I, I doubt very much again that we'll be looking at, at any other wingers um, unless we're getting you know some sort of mega deal um, I can't see that happening now. Uh, in other news for the Blues, uh, we'd like to cover this, and by the time some of you listen to this, you will already know it. But uh, the Europa draw is on Friday, and Mark's going to tell you all about it because um, I'm one of these people who haven't got a clue. <laughs> yeah, I've actually read how the Europa League draw works. I just wait for the draw and then see. And Johnny, even though you don't know anything about it, you probably understand it more than I do. It is totally, totally confusing. Basically, um, there's four pots uh, each pot is got differently seeded clubs in it the seedings still haven't been determined uh, due to the fact that clubs will still get knocked out of the Champions League tonight uh, you know obviously we've got Arsenal playing Besiktas tonight and whoever loses that will drop down into the Europa um, so at the moment Everton are in pot two the second highest pot um, so, you know, technically, the way the UEFA rankings are, 
we can only we're going to get one team who are ranked higher than us and two teams ranked lower than us in the competition. That may change. We may still drop into pot three, but it's very unlikely. I think it'd be unlikely. Who? I just wonder. Arsenal, what, for instance. What would be the stature of clubs in pot one then? Uh, well, the, in pot one, you've got Inter Milan. Uh, you've got PSV. Uh, who would Inter Milan? You've got PSV Eindhoven. Um, you've got Leon. Uh, and possibly, for instance, if Arsenal get knocked out tonight, the likes of Arsenal would drop into pot one. That's funny. So, what if if Besiktas get knocked out? Do they drop into pot one? No, Besiktas could, for instance. It's all done on, on what their previous yeah. European coefficient is. Yeah. So, Besiktas, for instance, you know, could go into pot two. Uh, but the likelihood is, anyway, Everton are going to be in pot two. Um, so, you know, you have a look round. I think, I think if you look at what's the worst case scenario we could do, or I think it's Inter Milan. Everton, Real Sociedad, and uh, I think Feyenoord. They're possibly like that. Could be like a group of. I, I'd have thought the the worst possible situation for us would be dropping down into pot two, eh, three, sorry, and having someone from pot. Obviously, you know, one of the top ones, maybe Inter from pot two, and then maybe, uh, you know, you know, some, someone similar to us in pot, uh, in pot sorry, in pot one. You're yeah, just, yeah confusing just, you're confusing me now. Yeah, so so basically, but, two two teams are higher ranked than us, uh, rather than just the one. Yeah, if we're in pot two. Yeah, but the, but the likelihood is we're going to be in pot two as it stands. We're in pot two, unless there's some crazy set of results. Um, you know, we're going to remain in pot two. Uh, so we should have one team higher ranked than us, the likes of it, and Inter Milan. But you know, it doesn't mean we will get an Inter Milan. We you know we we might get someone quite a bit easier than that. Um, I'd quite like Inter Milan because a little trip to the San Siro wouldn't go amiss. Yeah, I mean, well, you've got to be one to play teams like that. It makes the, the competition worthwhile. So, you've got to play them at some point if you want to get far as well. So, that's on Friday. Uh, it's a, I think it's 11 o'clock uh, GMT. I think it might be 12 o'clock. It, it should be live on UEFA.com. If anyone wants to watch it. Along with the Champions League draw, you're going to cover it for us, aren't you? Do you want me to? Shall I do a little a live Europa League draw session on Facebook? You probably by the time it gets to ball three, you'll already be like, about two balls behind. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. Um, another little uh, bit of news: uh, Brendan Galloway scored uh, for the under twenty ones, but they went down to a two one defeat to Fulham. So he's defender getting up on the score sheet. You know, decent. By the sounds of it, Fulham's under-21s are better than the first team because they haven't they played four, lost four? Yeah, they've not had the best start at all. So, I mean, it might be just the shock of, you know, the shock of falling down into the into the championship. Well, you better get over that shock soon, otherwise it'll be double drop and they'll be playing in League One next season. Yeah, uh, one final bit of news, possibly the biggest news of the week. We were, uh, we were nominated this week to do this uh, Ice Bucket Challenge. Um, and thanks for the nomination. I've not seen any of these ice bucket challenges. What haven't you? No, no. No, I new. I didn't know what it was. I had to. I had to Google it. I couldn't see it anywhere on Facebook or it's anything. You know, with the world, aren't you? There's so many. Uh, we had already both done it. Uh, who did you donate to? Uh, I donated to Cancer Research UK. I donated to like. Uh, I, I donated to the ALS Foundation for 
uh, well, as a- either ALS, we know it better as um, MND, don't we? Motor neuron disease. So um, I donated to that. Thanks for the nomination anyway. Uh, we, we can't really share our videos because you can't share them on our page, but we might put a sneaky pick up if we get enough interest. Um, but, you know, biggest news of the week there. Yeah, it was cold. It was cold. It was cold. It was yeah. cold and it was wet. I nominated Johnny, you see, so I thought yeah, after yeah, I, I, got, I got nominated by a, a dirty red shite, uh, so I passed it on to Johnny, seeing as I thought I'm not the only one getting soaked. Yeah, and we both wore our uh, brand spanking new Not Bitter, Just Better t-shirts. Available in no good shops anywhere. <laughs> if we get, again, if we get enough interest, we might make them available for purchase one day. <laughs> we have got to try and cut the production costs on them, because I don't think anyone's going to spend 26 quid a hit. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that uh, that social media buzz at the moment could lead us nicely into our social media section and our social media links. What just before we go on to that, I, I like doing this. I like to just throw a, a bit of a caveat at the end. Um, what's going to be our song for Eto? Uh, boom, boom, boom! Let you say Eto. You going for that, are you? Well, that seems to be doing the rounds. Avid, avid. Let's all have a disco. Lukaku, Naismith, Deto. Na, 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 na. What do you think? I think it's shit. Yeah, I think it's shit as well. I like my... The toffees I've got, Eto. The red shite shop in Neto. I, like, I, I think it's simple and effective. Yeah, I don't, I don't like... We, we include them in an, an awful lot of things anyway. And I'd rather not. Fair yeah. enough. Anyway, here's our links. Get in touch with your thoughts, booze. And then uh, social media section after that. This is the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. If you haven't already, go and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash EFC, Not Bitter, Just Better. Or you can find us on Twitter at Just Better EFC. There you have our social media links. It's not all of them. You can also go and follow us on Instagram, search Not Bitter, Just Better. We're also on SoundCloud, where many of you will be listening to this uh, podcast. And then we're also on the YNFA app and website uh, under their media hub. And we are also on YouTube. I think our URL is YouTube, blah, blah, blah. Not Bitter, Just Better 1, because somehow our has already got the Not Bitter, Just Better. Did someone try and have us off, did you think? Well, no, I think they already had it. I wonder whether that person is uh, from Australia. It's possible, isn't it? It is possible, and, you know... We're going to be going there now every week. And I've been thinking about this this week. And I'm thinking about, you know, Australians and famous Australians. And I've got a question for you. Who's your, your favourite Australian? Other than Carl, obviously. Uh, maybe uh, Jason Keaton. He was from Oz, wasn't he? Yeah. What, he's more... You like him more than, say, Crocodile on D? Um, and what's his, what's his name? Faster than Mike, Mike Tyson points, that fella. Steve, um, what's his... Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin. Yeah, of course, yeah. He died, didn't he? He died, he, yeah. It's tragic, really, isn't it? Was it stung by a stingray? Well, who'd have thought it? Yeah, um, anyway, we're going to go to a special place because Steve <laughs> a random <laughs> conversation, that really wasn't it. We're going to go to a special place. I always quite liked Mark Baduka. Remember when he scored that hat trick against Liverpool for Leeds and beat them in a the game? I watched that in, in sat in a swimming pool in America with. Like laughing me head off at Liverpool, so I've always got a little special place for Mark Duke just because of that. 
Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Just share them. I can't think of any, to be honest. So, uh, ACDC. <laughs> Another good choice. <laughs> <laughs> They're actually more, you know, more cultured than you think the Australians are, aren't they, when you really put them out? Yeah, but Carl... We're losing Australian listeners by the second day. Carl isn't an Australian. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> he's just a wolf. <laughs> anyway, um, our new-ish feature, we're going to go down under and have a, a view from down under from Carl down there in Oz. You get locked up at doing views from down under, don't you? Hey. <laughs> Hope you're well. Carl from Sydney here. Um, just looking at the last two games, I think we've got could have potentially had six points and we managed to get two, which is pretty frustrating. But uh, look, at the end of the day, I thought we played really well um, for an ha- a half against Leicester um, and then we kind of died off with the fitness. thought we played well for 70 against Arsenal. Let's hope we can play for 90 against Chelsea. I think we're going to need to. Uh, didn't think Naismith would be our best player so far, but he clearly is, and my uh, my bet came off from last week, so that was good. Um, nice interview with Derek Temple, thought that was pretty quality from last week, really nice to um, hear from an Everton legend like that, and uh, yeah, he made it sound terrible, didn't he? Really well-spoken bloke. Um, Coleman, uh, he just looked dead on his feet um, against... Uh, Against Arsenal, unfortunately, um, in that second half, played quality. Particularly, like, started a bit shaky, to be fair, but um, yeah, he got the nod in the end, didn't he? So that was good. Um, I actually got to watch a game. Uh, ended up um, being a DD all day. Two birthday parties back to back, then home to about ten without a beer in me. Uh, but it was good because <laughs> I managed to have a few beers watching the three games. Um, so I think it was uh, Newcastle Villa first, which is pretty woeful. Um, then I watched the Chelsea game, a uh, bit of a scouting mission, um, and then and then I ended up watching the, the Toffees. Obviously, um, half two in the morning the kickoff was, and I got the same for the for the Chelsea this weekend, which is a bit bit rancid. Um, but yeah, look, I'm I'm pretty positive. I think Kevin Morales looked great until he until his legs went. We just look a bit leggy, don't we? Um, but I really do think looking at Chelsea, Ashley Aquetta, good player, but totally out of position. Um, I think you know Kevin Morales could really get down that side, and if if um, if Coleman's in the mood, I think that's a weak point to be honest. <laughs> but from that, they look pretty solid all over. Uh, really hoping we get to see Eto this weekend. That'd be really good, um, even if it's off the bench for a tired Lukaku. Um, yeah, I've got a good feeling about Kevin Morales this week, so I've got to put a goal, a goal scoring bet on him this week. See if I can go two in a row. Um, for a goal any time I think we're going to just sneak it 3-2 I've got a feeling that they're going to score a few um, but yeah just looking at the League Cup I noticed um, you know we're not in that until the third round so it's uh, it's only it's only five five rounds we've got to play um, obviously two legs in the semi but uh, we really need to take that serious this year I'm, I'm really hoping we, we you know we take that one but yeah just um yeah, keen to know what your thoughts are on that, really, and um, just wanted to know how you saw the game. I, I just think it didn't stick up front, um, and I'm hoping that, you know, if we had an Eto to come on after an hour or whatever it was, 70 minutes when Lukaku came off, 
I think we'd have won that game on the weekend. So all positive from this end. Nothing much happening really apart from the Asian Champions League, um, uh, which is absolutely awful. But yeah, Western Sydney Wanderers are the team in that. And um, if you haven't seen it already, check out Mar- Marcello Lippi's Sending Off. It's hilarious. YouTube that bad boy. All right, guys, keep up the good work. Speak soon. Bye. Yeah, um, Carl obviously raises a good point there about the, the League Cup, which we we haven't mentioned so far today. The draw for that is actually tonight. So by the time the podcast comes out, uh, obviously everyone will know who Everton's got, but the draw takes place tonight, probably about 10pm after the Leeds-Bradford game. Yeah, it's a competition that we have done notoriously bad in and not really even um, put up a fight in, in a number of years, have we? Last season, we went out to Fulham. Yeah. Um, with one of our worst performances of the season. Um, previous seasons, we've gone out to a lot of lower league clubs. Leeds, um, the y- season before. So, do we... It's so winnable as well. I mean, you've only got to look at already. Man United are out. West Ham are out. You know, at the earliest opportunity. So Champions League clubs don't take it seriously at all. Yeah. But they've still got some talent in to go to a certain level. Although I'm say, saying that Man City won't have won it a number of times over the years, haven't they? So I do, I do think with a, you know with a good draw or whatever, though it, it is very winnable. So um, I, imagine know, putting like to that to bed. Imagine putting that to bed in February. Yeah, first trophy for Martinez. Putting that to bed in February, and it's a, it, it, you can kick on and launch greatness from winning that trophy. And the fact that a club our size have never won it, it just isn't right, is it? You know, so yeah, good points raised by Carl. Cheers for that. Um, having to stay up and watch the Blues uh, after sitting through Newcastle and uh, that, uh, Villa in that game. And then another game afterwards. That was hard, bloody staying awake here, and it was in the middle of the day. Yeah, Newcastle <laughs> Villa. I ne- I had never stayed awake through, and that was what twelve o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. So staying up till after for the half two kick off, I'd either be half asleep because I was falling asleep, or half asleep because I was completely pissed. <laughs> because I, do you know what would be the hardest part for me? I get battered by the missus for celebrating and waking her up. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to like put a gag on or something to uh, Well, no, that's when, aye, after aye. the game. Now that's after the game. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. celebrate. Yeah, so uh, yeah, cheers. You've got another one this weekend, Carl. Another half five kickoff for us. Half two in the morning for you. Um, I I think Carl should actually record his piece. During the game, a half two in the morning. Yeah, that'd be interesting. That's yeah. a challenge, Carl. I want if, if even if you're drunk, we want you to record during the game, half two in the morning. I was wondering, you know, we said he, he showed the games on um, in the, the Cheers Bar in uh, in Australia, in, in Sydney. Does, w- does Sam still run that? Yeah. Does Norm sit at the end of the bar? Probably. He's a blue Norm. Is he? Tell, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clips uh, a red shite down. <laughs> um, do, do they show the, the games that late? Or is he watching on his NBC app or whatever? Yeah, I think if it's on at half two. I don't, I don't know what the Australian licensing laws are like, but I would have thought probably if it's on at half two in the morning, you're probably watching that on the outside, aren't you? And just one final thing to add on Carl's thing for me is uh, the Asian Champions League uh, I'm going to go out and check it out. No, I'm not. I'm not. Sorry, no, Carl. I'm not. I've got too much on it. Shall we stay up till half two in the morning to watch Western Sydney hey. Warriors? Yeah, that'll be boss, yeah. Uh, you're doing well in the Champions League. Uh, sorry, the Fancy Football League, aren't you, Carl, as well? Flying high. His knowledge it definitely puts ours to it's a shame, really. I think we should actually adopt Western Sydney Warriors. Should we start doing a Western Sydney Warriors weekly podcast? We might be able to guest on one of their... You never know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Cheers, Carl. Uh, that takes us nicely into the social media section. Um, 
a couple of questions I put out there this week. One was quite easy to choose, really, and that is, do you think Etu would be a success at Everton? And um, I should have really gave us a little bit more leading time. Yeah, because neither of us have got our iPads ready to, to, to read any of the answers. So, I found it, don't worry, I'm on it, I'm all over it, like a rash. Um, yeah, we've just actually watched Eto's 20 best goals, John, on a little break and record now, haven't we? Yeah, so he was, um, a lot of his goals come from... Outside uh, the box, out, screamers? From outside the box, but from all, also from coming in from wide positions. Uh, but then a few of them were like spectacular ones, like overhead kicks and like little uh, jinking dribbles. So, uh, what, what was lacking there was a header. Out of those top twenty, yeah, well, I think he probably scored others, but they just don't weren't good enough to get in, in the top twenty. I, I think he probably scored a lot of tappings as well, but none of them. Yeah, he probably the did. 20. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, um, we'll start on Facebook. Joshua Allen Early says he thinks he will struggle to begin with, but he will be a new hero for the fans soon. Born a blue, die a blue. Was he born in? Was he a boy at Evertonian? Um, I think he was. No, I think he's talking about himself. Ah, right. Okay, I've got Wapo. At Wapo1878 on Twitter. Wapo! He just says, Depo. De- simple, to the point. Uh, Joe Mulhern, I think we won't see much of him for a while. When we do, it will be a sub for a few games until he gets back to full fitness. Doesn't really say if he thinks he'll score or anything, but, but there you go, that's Joe's point of view. Uh, I've got uh, at Blue Don Ash on Twitter, who's regular on here. Uh, nailed on to score the winner in the derby, so yes. That would be a way of... Uh, well, he scored the winner for Chelsea against the Shite last year. Yeah, be a way of uh, repaying any kind of uh, faith Roberto's had in him if he does that money. And he'll uh, go down in as le- legendary if he does. He got a hat-trick against David Moyes' Man United last season as well. Uh, Stephen O'Neill, I think his legs might have gone, but he definitely knows where the onion bag is. That's a boss team, I've heard that for a while. Yeah, he's going to grab us a good few goals. His record now is one every two games. I was just saying a little bit before, because I saw these comments before, and um, it was, you know, a few seasons ago, when we had our last UEFA campaign, uh, before it was called Europa, um, you know, we had Victor Anichibi coming on, and grabbing, you know... It was called the Europa League then. Was it? Yeah. Was it? What are you thinking about? I'm I'm probably going back even more years. (laughs) Uh, Paul Jimenez has said... He'll be our European and super sub and bag 15 goals. I think it was Paul. It was Paul who nominated us for the ALS challenge, wasn't he? Nice one, lad. Nice yeah. one, yeah. But, it was a good job we'd already done it, otherwise we'd have been cursing you. But um, if you think about that, you know, we had Anachibi coming on, or Anachibi, as I just called him randomly before. Anachibi. <laughs> uh, coming on uh, and scoring goals in those games. And now, how time's changed, because now we've got Etu to possibly come on in those games, and I think he will probably score quite a few if he gets a chance in Europa. Uh, Matty Vickery, the easy answer, lads. Yes. Bags of experience and a deadly finisher. Proved last season he's a big game player. Great sign, and even if it's for cover. Uh, Liam Carter said, yeah, I think he'll do all right. Can hold the ball up and still score goals. His experience will be vital in the league in Europe. Considering he's 33, he looks in good shape. And I believe if, if he was in the side against Arsenal, he, it would have remained 2-0. I, I, I want to just uh, add on to that. I think if he'd have come on for Lukaku, we would have still had that outlet. I think it would have remained 2-0 as well. Sounds a bit fishy to me, that Mr. Cod. Sure did they? Terrible. Uh, Duncan Ingram, it's a big statement from the club. There may be better striking options available, but his experience should help a lot. Be interesting to see if Martinez goes with two up front. 
just on that, do you, do you think that is a possibility to have a proper two up front now? I think, as we said before, I think to have that option there is um, it can always throw the spanner in the works, the team's preparations. You know, everyone thinks we've got this 4-5-1 and then we go and play a 4-3-3 against Arsenal and then, you know, it, when, we're, when we're defending, it drops back into a 4-5-1 formation. We could do that again. Uh, but now, instead of the 4-3-3 or 4-5-1, play a 4-4-2 while we're in full flow because that 4-4-2 suddenly turns into... You know, two attacking fullbacks, and then your wingers pushing on even further as well. So it turns into a very, uh, very attacking formation, and I'd, I'd be interested to see uh, if, if it happens as well. Um, second question we put out today was obviously now we've realised that we can't defend crosses. Um, we've asked whether you know people think there should be a change at centre half, perhaps, and asking going into the Chelsea game, what do you think our best centre back partnership would be? Uh, we're not going to include our new number five, Brian Lebonesque, Samuel Eto'o, uh, you know, in nominations. But uh, we're just interested to see what you think would be uh, on current form, uh, who the best centre half would be. Just a quick one off uh, Twitter. Blue Dom Ash again has said Stones and Distan, and he echoes a lot of Evertonians' opinions here when he says, "I'm not Jags's biggest fan recently." Okay. Uh, Callum James Folk starts with Sel Alcaraz. I don't really see how that's going to help, but that's his opinion. I don't think we get anything for him to be honest. I'm not much saying because he he's not settled well. I just don't think uh, I don't think he has a, like a real value apart from you know to you know because he, he's getting on and he's not really established himself. So you wouldn't even get any money for him, would you? Wasn't really a question either, was he? No, really. Yeah. Uh, Matty Vickery again. Something different with Jags and Distan. It doesn't give me confidence anymore. Stones needs to play, but he won't drop as captain. So Jags and Stones for me. I think Jags has got World Cup itis. Uh, he's just he's on a downer after that. He doesn't look fully fit. Um, I know I saw you know a, a lad on that page. I can't remember who it was, but you know he, he's he's getting a lot of stick for criticising Jagielka. And to be fair to him, um, I think you know a lot of points he made about him making this seventy-yard diagonal ball. And we've, we've had players over the years have done that. Like, you know, Unsworth used to do it and he used to get a lot of stick for it. And now Jagielka's do it. Jagielka's probably the highest profile in the, the fact that he's, in, he's an England international and he's our captain and he's doing it. That on top of the fact that he doesn't look like he can defend anymore. I'm just hoping it's a blip in the first couple of games and, uh, you know, once the fitness comes, uh, he'll come good again. Uh do you want to read one out or do you want me to go for another one? Uh, Craig, come on you blues. This worries me, what he suggested. Says Besic and Jags. Besic at centre-half. Stones needs time, he's added on to this. Alcaraz and Hibbo should be sold and replaced. But I prefer Hibbo at centre-back over right-back. Uh, I mean, that's... Right, okay. Besic at centre-half just screams penalties and send-ons off to me. Yeah, I mean... Has the uh, lad ever even played there? I don't know. There's a lot of kind of, you know, tactical... You know, a chance. Well, a lot of taking chances there. Let's face it. Um, we've got, we have got established centre backs there, and I always like to see them in their own positions. Yeah, I don't think it's time to start playing players out of position. You know, we're, we're not that bad at the back. Um, Stuart Tag. What annoys me is that everyone is slating distance for the second Arsenal goal. Yet Jag seems to have got away with mistiming his jump and failing to clear a routine cross that was straight at him. I I fully agree with that, Stuart. You know, uh, yeah, I think distance. Never expected the ball to, to come anywhere near him. 
Uh, we've got Michelle Hughes, who has sparked a, a debate in here. Uh, some very short memories with some fans saying, get rid of this, Dan. And somebody has added on to that. Craig, again, has added on to it, saying, it's not memories that stop goals. It's a fit, alert defence, and sadly, distance, which is off. Uh, Duncan Ingram, it's tough. Our back four on paper is possibly the best in the league, but they all have a tendency to switch off. Noticed that last season as well. Uh, he goes on to add a little bit later that Brendan Galloway does look boss. Uh, I wonder if he'll make the first team at a young age like Stones did. He, well, I mean, it's, it's, he's paved the way for him, hasn't he? I've got just two just going on to another kind of forgotten man. Uh, Joff McKenna says, what's going on with Duffy? And adds four question marks to that. So he's really asking, really asking. Uh, and Matty Cavana says, get Duffy in. He can deal with crosses. And I put out earlier this week, will Duffy ever make the breakthrough? We've asked this a number of times on the podcast. And I don't think he's any closer, apart from the fact that he's now at the club and not on loan somewhere. I don't think, I think he's fifth in line, isn't he? After Stones and Alcaraz. I think Galloway could even leapfrog him. What about you? What do you think? It's a, yeah, possibility. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, now that we're, we're in the market for world-class players and we've, we've signed Eto, what about Franco Berezi? Maybe bringing him in before transfer deadline day, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think uh, Maldini uh, brought him, he could cover at left-back as well. Yeah, yeah, he could do, yeah, right across the back four. Interesting. I think uh, Roberto should probably have a little look at them, see what they're doing Young, these days. promising talents. Yeah, a bit, bit, bit of experience cover for the Europa League campaign. <laughs> No, I mean, what, Bobby Moore. What, what are your thoughts on it, though? What would you go with for the for the Chelsea game coming up? What would be your centre back pair? I mean, we're, we're going to we're going to be looking at this. In fact, this could possibly lead into our uh, Chelsea preview. Let's start this off for the YouTube listeners. Uh, listeners now, starting off the Chelsea preview, what would be your centre back pairing for Everton against Chelsea? At the moment, I would stick with Jagielka and this Um You know. I think they looked fairly solid for 70 minutes of the game against Arsenal. I think Stones hasn't particularly massively impressed me so far in pre-season and this season, even though he was brilliant towards the tail end of last season. Um, I just think at the moment I'd probably stick with with the two of them. If there's one criticism I've got of John Stones is he doesn't particularly deal with crosses very well either. No, I mean that that that's the one criticism you can have about him, and I, I think some some of our um, the people who follow us on social media tend to think that he is in the mould of like a John Terry type event, defender who will put his head in front of a ball. I think one thing that you know makes you think that is because he played on with that headband on, you know, when he got a cut last season. That wasn't you know that wasn't through heroic defending. John Stones is a ball player. And a tackler. He's a football and centre half. And, and he's great at reading the play, uh, you know, and, and making, you know, tackles from, from, from a distance and then bringing the ball out. But he's not a out and out balls to the wall defender. Jags was, stroke is, would you say? Well, you know, again, if you had one criticism of Jagielka, probably in the past, it's, you would say it's possibly been his, his distribution and his, his, his long diagonal passes that used to go to absolutely nobody. Obviously, since Roberto's come in and changed the way we play, that, that, that's that been cut out to a certain extent. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, as I say, I know we've conceded twice in both games so far. I still 
stick by what I said last week. The two goals against Leicester, I think we're, we're lucky on Leicester's behalf. Um, you know, so at the moment, give give the boys a chance and, and let them go into the game against Chelsea and see, and see what they can do. I wouldn't change any of the back four at the moment. I mean, if, if there's chances that come about, like the Leicester ones, you know, with ball bobbling around, if they fall to Costa, you know, he's just going to bury them, isn't he? Like he's shown in his, in his two games. If he gets a chance like that, he's going to put it away. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think you can just, you know, concentrate on Costa. You look at the, oh, no, who, course, who they've got no. coming forward. You've got Hazard, Fabregas, Shearer, Costa, Drogba to come on late on. Uh, abundance of talent attacking-wise, haven't they? So, uh, you know, they've got a number of places goals can come from. Uh, so it'll be interesting. But yeah, I, I think, you, you know, you play your strongest back four. You play your back four who are most settled and most recognised uh, and understanding of each other. Uh, so, yeah, you you go with the, the back four from the Arsenal game. Yeah, I mean, another week of fitness, another week of playing together. Hopefully, uh, that will be something that has been addressed. Knowing Roberto, you know, he's got this calm demeanour and he always says the right things in uh, when he speaks to the press. I think he'll be going mad behind doors, uh, behind closed doors and trying to rectify this situation and, you know, hammering them with crosses and making sure that they deal with them. Because they've got to pay because that's, that, that's been our shortcomings so far this season. Yeah. I mean, you know, looking at the game and looking at the Everton team selection as a whole, I think, barring any injuries, we you know, we know PNR's out, obviously, but barring any injuries, we'd probably go with a very similar team to or a very similar set-up uh, as to what we did against Arsenal. You know, if, if Lukaku is fit, I could see him probably maybe starting... Uh, sort of on out to the right, uh, Naismith through the middle, Morales on the left, uh, and then a three in midfield behind them of maybe Barkley, not, not Barkley, um, Barry. Sorry, uh, you were going to say Barthy or Mc. I was, yeah. Mc- I always do that. Uh, <laughs> Barry McCarthy, uh, and then obviously there's one spec there. Maybe the 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 worried about the in, the midfield interplay of the likes of Fabregas and Oscar. Maybe bring Bessic in and give him his debut to try and shore up that midfield a little bit. The, the problem is, though, if we play a similar formation there with that, you know, that four-three-three kind of formation with the Kaku and Morales out wide and Naismith up the middle, um, you've got, you know, possibly Chelsea's weak link defensively is Aspilicueta. If that, I, I think that's my first attempt of saying no, that his was name. Good. That was yeah. good. Um, I, I did it phonetically. Did you notice? Yeah. Um, so. Lukaku focusing like he did last week with Monreal of Arsenal. But then, if you've got Morales over on the left, is he going to uh, track back Ivanovic? Uh, you know, you've got Coleman coming forward. You, you've got to remember, though, that, you know. Sorry, Baines coming forward on that side. Ivanovic is, is, is basically a centre half playing out of position. Is he, if he's got a weakness, it's when players run at him. Yeah, but if he's got a strength. It's going forward. Well, I mean, he's, he's good tackling, but you know, how many how many goals does Chelsea yeah. get from that right hand side going forward? Yeah, but most of it, Ivanovic isn't like a Seamus Coleman. He doesn't bomb up the wing and start ripping players, does he? Ivanovic gets goals from set pieces. I'm not talking about goals. And... I'm not talking about goals. I'm talking about the threat he's got. If you look at that that bit of play last week for Leicester's uh, the goal against Leicester, Diego Costa, it was him bombing on into the box. 
Um, and will Morales track him there? I'd fancy Morales to push Ivanovic back rather than Ivanovic push Morales. I hope so. I hope that's I, the case. I would. I, I really would. I hope that's the case. But I don't think Robert. I think Robert is going to see that threat from that goal. That, you know that they got last week, and you know many goals. You know they got last season. I think they're going to see that threat, and I don't think he's going to go with a four-three-three. I think he's going to go with more with a four-five-one formation again. And I mean that. That's. Uh, how he fits, you know, Lukaku and our informed striker Naismith into that formation is going to be tricky. That's if Lukaku makes it. Yeah, I mean, you know, looking at Chelsea on, on the other side of the coin, uh, you know, if I had to pick a team that's impressed me the most so far this season, I'd say out of the two games, it's been Chelsea. But the level of opposition they've they've, they've played is is questionable. Would you say? Obviously, Burnley in the first game took those apart, beat them three one. Yeah, uh, you know, and then obviously played Leicester last weekend, two uh, 0 finished. So Leicester put up a valiant display, didn't they? And you know, as he showed in the game against us in the first game, there are no mugs, no pushovers at all. And then Chelsea found the same, uh, found them the same really, and it took them, you know, until deep into the second half to take the lead. And you know, Diego Costa's found his feet straight away, two he, and two. But Chelsea could have been one nil down, couldn't he? When Nugent ran through and had a one on one and just completely fluffed his lines, you know. So uh, it could have been a different story, but you know the, the, the way the midfield of Chelsea have settled and Costa's just got off, uh, got got off the mark straight away. I mean that that touch he had from the, the Ivanovic ball across, where he just you know it was fired at him, wasn't it? And he just chested it into the only space. That he could put it, and great finish. Yeah, um, and then obviously Hazard with the uh, <laughs> put the, the icing on the the cherry on top at the end with a nice little cut inside and finish. So, so as we mentioned before, that's how I'd expect them to line up with Costa up top, uh, Hazard and Shearer play coming in from the, from the two wings, uh, and then probably Fabregas, Matic, and Oscar in the middle. Yeah, I mean, Matic is a bit of a, you know, he's gone under the radar a little bit. Fabregas. He's one of those great players who just break it. He's a James McCarthy. He's Chelsea's James McCarthy. That's what he is. Yeah, so do you think, I mean, Chelsea have had a play. Well, they've been missing a player like that for a little while. They used to have Makaleli in there who just did all the, the tidying up. Yeah, they've and, had Mikel for a while, but obviously, Mikel, but he's never really been. He's not filled those shoes, has he? That, that Can Matic do it? I, I think he's looking apart at the moment. Great bye by Jose Marino to bring him back to the club. Um, and yeah, you know it's going to be a tough game for the Blues. It's a half five kickoff again uh, under the lights. It's, it's, it is the new lights. To get a little bit dark. The new blinding lights that they put in at Goodison, yeah, which are a bit lower down and tend to shine in your eyes. Um, it's a great atmosphere against Arsenal. I thought uh, the Evertonians sang their heart out. I think it'll probably be the same again for Chelsea this week. Uh, obviously, the, the the arrival of Eto. Uh, will be a bit of a boost to the crowd. I, I can see Eto on the bench. I don't think he'll start no. as much as he might want to. No, we said before about you know Roberto saying that he wants to get him in ten or eleven training sessions first. Well, he's going to get him in about maybe four or five training yeah. sessions in before before the game. But Eto's already saying that he's ready to play. So barring any injury to Lukaku, I think he he'll probably on the bench. Um, I'm obviously, to- obviously no Atu. Yeah, well, that too. Yeah, can't play because because of, of the details of, of his loan deal. Obviously, um, a man to watch. Uh, I hate to to pick the obvious one, but Diego Costa's on fire, so you can't really look past him. After you know that, that pass that Fabregas laid in in the Burnley game to to Shearer, which was just sublime. You know, 
I was very close to Pippen Fabregas, who, who's pulling the strings for them at the moment. But you can't look past a, a goal scorer who's on fire. Uh, and Diego Costa is the man that you know Jags and Distan are going to have to dis- <sighs> that, That's a scary With thought. With Diego Costa and Fabregas, this is probably going to be the toughest test that they'll have at Goodison all season. I would have thought, barring maybe you could say Aguero and Zeko and, and, and well, the likes. And Jovetic. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. Um, I've got... I don't know why. I've just got this feeling that we're going to win. I've got this feeling we're going to win. And I've got this feeling that Eto and Lukaku are going to... It's going to be one of those stories where, you know, there's a big headline about Jose Mourinho with the players coming back to haunt him. I'm going to go 2-1 to Everton. You said that last week. I did say that last week. Yeah. I was nearly right. Yeah, different circumstances. And, you know, it's like the type of story that we love to go for us. And they always seem to go against us, don't they, these stories? Players coming back to haunt us and stuff. Let's have one that goes for us this time. Etu's thanked Mourinho for giving his opportunity again, and you know, for, you know, and he's been thank- thankful for, for him for, uh, throughout his career. Um, but you know, now what what a chance this would be to uh, you know prove what he said about him last year about being too old, where he did his little uh, bad back routine celebrating. Can, could you see him scoring for Everton and going along and doing the same kind of thing? And could you see Lukaku? No, do you know what? I could see him scoring for Everton and just running straight to the Gladys Street and, and becoming an instant hero. That's what I can see. Chelsea's behind him now. Forget that. Uh, you know, forget proving a point to Jose Mourinho. Prove a point to the Gladys Street end and, and to the, the rest of the ground that you know you, you are still world class. Yeah, he's got he's got he's got a great platform now, hasn't he? Because he's not a you know that he's not in the in the. the World stage spotlight. He's just on that little tier, just below it. But uh, he's at a place where he can be loved. Yeah, but he can really push himself back onto the world stage spotlight. Yeah. Uh, you know, and push us back up there. Well, let's face it; he's at the biggest club he's ever played for, <laughs> yeah, or ever is, will yeah, play yeah. for. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so there you go. So, you know, Real Schmeal and Barca. Barca. Something rhymes, something that yeah, rhymes. No, rhymes <laughs> but there you go. So, so yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Uh, and hopefully, the, I, I, in all honesty, if we've got five points by the end of these three games, you know, you, you'd have probably took that, wouldn't you? In all honesty, looking at the fixtures, uh, I, I'm not going to say I'd be happy with three points. But if we had three points from three, these three games, no, I I'm would, saying if you have five points, I know, I know. Well, I, yeah, I'd be made up. But even if we got three out of these three games and then pushed on like we did last season with the extra talent we've got in the team and with those two tricky games out the way, I think it's a good platform for us to push on. And it's I agree. To remain unbeaten after three tough games, I mean, you know, you might go, what are they talking about? Leicester, a tough game. Going away to a newly promoted club on their first game back in the top flight is always going to be tough because the crowd are bang up for it. The players are bang up for it. You know, they've been doing double training every day or try, trying twice as hard to training because they're so excited to be in the Premier League. It's been three tough opening games. If we can come out to those three unbeaten, it only stands us in good stead for the season. Let's just clarify once again, we are not saying set our stall out for a draw, park the bus or whatever. We're just saying if a half seven on Saturday evening if we've got a draw against Chelsea, it's not the end of the world and it's a good platform for us to build on. Um, I'm, I'm saying let's smash these Cockney Rent boys, let's go and let's do them, let's send Bessage out, kick them up in the air 
uh, and then and then that's it. Hit them with a double whammy of Lukaku and Eto late on, uh, and and get three points. One good thing out of this is Frank Lampard's no longer there. Yeah, true. Yeah, <laughs> so um, that's a bonus point. Um, Fabregas has scored a few past us in the shut past, up. Though, hasn't he? So Strogba, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> we might get a new. That Diego, Diego Costa bloke's never scored past us. Diego Costa. Um, I think we said this before, but and I think a few people said the same kind of thing. You look at him, you think, oh, he's only going to have a few seasons with Chelsea because he looks like. 35 or something he's only 25 so he could be the scared of him for a number of years to come I yeah. just hope he isn't yeah exactly <laughs> um, anyway so yeah anything else you want to add on that Mark no I think that that's me done this week I think uh, just Camping down a minute to to welcoming uh, Eto to Goodison <laughs> it's, it's just crazy I can't even say it without laughing so by the time you listen to this you will know who we will be facing in the League Cup uh, some of you will know who we are facing uh, who we will be facing in the Europa League uh, group stages. Um, so, yeah, you'll know you'll, you'll know that before before we even before you even got this on. If you listen, we'll, we'll obviously discuss both matters next week. It'll be a, a much clearer picture to Everton season. Oh yeah, next definitely. Week. Yeah. We'll, we'll be starting to we'll be starting to put our plans into motion for where we're going to be going on our uh, European tour. Yeah. Um, so, if you listen on SoundCloud. And you have an Apple device, go and subscribe to us. Uh, just search the iTunes store for Not Bitter, Just Better. Uh, if you listen on the YNFA app, continue to do that. Maybe subscribe as well. Uh, where else do people listen? If you just listen on YouTube and you like what you hear through uh, Everton FC, You're In My Heart, You're In My Soul, uh, blueheartbluesoul.co.uk, again, subscribe. Uh, and I think that's it. That's, that's it for the links, isn't it? And if you're listening on the wireless... Yeah, you're 60 years too late. Yeah, it's, it's 1878 FM, not bitter, just better <laughs> radio. <laughs> anyway, that's it. Yeah, thanks for listening again. And come on, you blues. The toppies have got Eto, the red shite shop in Eto. Boom, 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 let you say Eto.